0: This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk on it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Before I get into today's topic, I want to remind you, if you'd like to contact me for any reason, you may use this email address, ancientpathspodcast at gmail.com. Perhaps you have questions about things that I've shared or some ideas about what I could talk about in the future. I'll be glad to hear those things and communicate with you about it. At some point in the future, I'll put together a list of questions that people have and answer those here. Today, the topic is prayers of the heart, which at first glance may seem to be sort of self-evident or a redundant phrase to some of you. Well, of course, prayers are from the heart but it is possible to speak prayers that are not of the heart. And I know that that's true because I've done it. Certainly there have been times, this I would say before I was a Christian when I was attending church, but I wasn't following Jesus. We would pray the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I'd be thinking about other things, football games or school or just board. So it's very possible to pray, but not have the prayer come from the heart. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 15. It's recorded that Jesus says, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Well, the word hypocrite was a Greek word. That was a Greek word for an actor. And those Greek actors used to put on masks. And the actor would put on a happy mask and Pretend to be happy, and then he would take off that mask and put on another mask, perhaps a sad mask, and pretend to be sad or angry. So a hypocrite was an actor who put on different masks and pretended to be a certain way, but he wasn't that way, he was just pretending. And Jesus uses this phrase or this word, hypocrite, to apply to people who put on a mask of uh, being religious or of praying, but they're not really doing that, they're pretending. And Jesus says, people are hypocrites for that reason, and that Isaiah the prophet was right about it. People honoring the Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And he says that that is vanity, that that worship is in vain, meaning it has no result. It's worthless. It's vain. It's wasted energy to pretend to worship God, but not actually worship God, not to be close to him in our hearts. This is so important because under the new covenant, the primary thing is this loving relationship with our creator, our heavenly father. Prayer, the topic of this talk today, it's not a religious observance, though many people will treat it that way. It is not just a religious activity. For instance, I might feel like I prayed to God if I say the words, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But if my heart is not involved, then I actually haven't I've said those words, but they're vain. They have no effect. And we also have to be careful to realize that prayer is not witchcraft, like casting a spell. And what I mean by this is that to cast a spell is to say the correct words in the correct way, and then the unseen world must conform to my demands. That's what casting a spell is. Learning how to do these things technically So that I can force the unseen world to do what I want it to do. And we have to be very careful about this in prayer because we should never, ever try to manipulate God. And we should never think that if I can just say this prayer in the right way, then God must conform to my will. Oh, that's a great trap. So it's very easy to mouth words and not have them come from the heart. And yet, God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. So if prayer is not just a religious observance, and if it's not like casting a spell, it's not a manipulation of God, what is it? Prayer is a conversation. It's not one way. As a matter of fact, in a conversation, a very good rule is to listen more than you speak. And uh, you've probably heard it said, we have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. It's a conversation, and the conversation goes two ways. It's not one way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. So prayer is a conversation, and it's not just for one time of day or one time of week, going to church on Sundays and praying. And certainly it's not for one time of the year when some people may go to a church meeting on Christmas Eve, and that's the only time that they might say a prayer. Pray without ceasing. Communicate with God all the time. So prayer is a conversation purposefully coming into his presence. Now, what does the Lord say about this? And he has quite a bit to say about it, obviously, because it's so important. One thing we see in Matthew chapter six is that the Lord wants us to pray in secret, not exclusively because there are public prayers in the scriptures in the New Testament, of course, but the Lord wants us to pray in secret without concern for what others are thinking about us. And In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is recorded as saying, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Here's the word again. Don't be like those actors. Don't be like the hypocrites, these religious people. Continuing on, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. That's what Jesus said about it. He said, we shouldn't be like the hypocrites, like people who put on a mask and pretend to pray. They stand on the corners and they're performing so that they could be seen by men. Jesus says that those people have received their reward already. What is their reward? Maybe a clap on the back or maybe somebody saying a good word about them, that they're such godly men, but that's all they get. They don't get a reward from their heavenly father. Jesus says, go into a room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen, and your father is going to see that. Jesus also says, don't babble, don't keep talking. and He says, don't do it like the pagans. Back then, of course, pagans had many gods, and they prayed to many gods, and they felt like they had to talk a lot in order, I guess, to convince their gods that they were serious. And Jesus says, that's just not the way it is. We have a heavenly father, and he knows what we need before we ask him, so we don't have to use a lot of words. It can be very simple, a very simple conversation. The Lord looks at the heart, and he wants us to pray from the heart, and it's very good to pray in secret. I'll also say, it's not enough to know that this is what God wants. We have to actually do it. Well, there's a great danger of saying, yes, the Lord wants us to pray in secret. Yes, I should pray in secret. There's a difference between that and actually doing it. So that's my encouragement to everyone who hears my voice. Do it. Go into your room, close your door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He really will. So immediately after that scripture, Jesus introduces what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he said, This then is how you should pray, or you should pray in this way. He did not say, This is what you should pray. He said, You should pray like this in this way this is how you should pray just not what you should pray he just got through saying that we should not pray dead words we have to pray from the heart so he has a little bit of an issue here that he has to work through because he's saying you got to pray from your heart your father looks at what is done in secret but then he also wants to give us an example of what is a good prayer and this is how he does it he says this is how you should pray so, the Lord's Prayer is not something that He dictated we have to memorize. It's something that He said, here is a really good example of a very good prayer. And I'll take a few minutes to look through it. And then later on, I'll actually share some other prayers that have been really meaningful to me. But the most important thing is that God wants us to pray from the heart. Remember, He said, Sing to me a new song. And I'd say, Pray to Him a new prayer all the time. Even if it's something you memorized, it's got to be fresh. And coming from the heart so here's the lord's prayer and it's familiar our father in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one i'll work through this very quickly so that we can get a good idea a quick idea of how Jesus encourages us to pray. The first thing is our Father in heaven. He is a father. We have a father, a dad, a heavenly dad, but a dad. It's a relationship of father to child. God is not a distant, disinterested tyrant. He's a father. The next phrase is, Hallowed be thy name, which means your name is holy. So not only is he a father, he's holy and we need to recognize his holiness. Many of those Greek and Roman gods were basically like human beings, just with extra powers. But God is completely different. He is completely holy, and we need to recognize that. The prayer begins recognizing our relationship with God and that he is holy. The next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, That is a recognition that in his kingdom, it needs to come down here on earth. And that's what Jesus came to do, was to bring the kingdom of heaven down onto earth. And he says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is God's will done in heaven? That's a question I'll ask people when I'm teaching this. And usually we get many of the same answers. In heaven, God's will is done quickly, happily, enthusiastically, perfectly, Oh God, please let your will be done here in the way that it is in heaven. The next phrase is give us today our daily bread. That's a recognition that God is the source of all that we need. We are not the source of all we need. Nothing on this earth is the source of what we need. He alone is the source of our needs. The next one is forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts or our sins as we have also forgiven those who trespass against us. Here's a recognition that we need to be forgiven. We're not perfect. A little bit later, just right after this, Jesus says, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, that really flies in the face of a lot of teaching in the church. I'll say that God's forgiveness is not unconditional. There are conditions to receiving his forgiveness, and Jesus says it very clearly. If we do not forgive others, then the Lord won't forgive us. That is sobering, very sobering. The next phrase is Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, or deliver us from evil. This is a recognition that we really are like sheep. Human beings are really like sheep, and we tend to walk into temptation. And also, the evil one sets traps for us. There are snares and traps that are set. And we're saying, Lord, we need a shepherd. Lead us in the right way. Lead us away from temptation and lead us away from these traps that are set by the evil one. So that's a quick overview of the Lord's Prayer and what it means. The Lord doesn't want us just to remember those words and pray them by rote, He wants us to pray from the heart. Also, we must always remember that God is not far away. He is with us and he is in us. Those who are followers of Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Boy, those are really encouraging words from Jesus. This is that new covenant that I've mentioned so many times. The giving of the Holy Spirit into the hearts of God's people, those who accept him by faith. The world can't accept him because the world doesn't see him and doesn't even know him. And Jesus says to the disciples at that time, but you know him because he lives with you and he's going to be inside you. So, Jesus has made this promise to us by his Spirit that he will not leave you as an orphan. You will never be fatherless, ever. So, when we pray, we have to remember that. He is not far off. You are not abandoned. You are not fatherless. We have been welcomed into this family of God. So, now as I talk about prayers that have been meaningful to me, I have the same issue that Jesus had. He shared a prayer as an example of how to pray, but he wants people to pray from the heart, not just from memory. Now, I'm going to share a few prayers that have been meaningful to me, and I hope they encourage you to pray in a similar way. But I am not encouraging you to memorize these words and just say them by rote, because they're not magic words. They're not spells. They're prayers that God wants to have come from the heart. And with that in mind, here are prayers that have touched me and been meaningful to me and actually quite fruitful over the years. The first is Wesley's Covenant Prayer. Those of you who know me have probably heard me mention this before. This is a prayer that was written by John Wesley back in the 1700s. And he wrote a service called The Covenant Service. He wrote this as a corporate church service it would be performed often on new year's eve and it's called the covenant service because it's a restatement of our covenant with god our agreement or our commitment to god and the whole service starts with worship and then repentance and then ultimately there's a final prayer a statement of a covenant with god and though this is a corporate prayer it's been very personal for me and actually olga and i went through the service on our wedding night as a statement of us as a couple together, making a covenant with God. So the final prayer is this. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with who you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. So that's the prayer. And that has been so meaningful to me. And the reason that it means so much to me is that it's a prayer of complete surrender. Surrendering not only the unpleasant things, but also the pleasant things. Surrendering everything. Put me to what you will. Rank me with who you will. Boy, that's good. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. So here's an image that helps me understand this in a way. Imagine a sculptor working on a large block of marble, creating a statue. And the sculptor has a hammer in one hand and a series of tools on his workbench, different chisels that are used to shape the stone. And at some point, he picks up his hammer and picks up a chisel and does some work. And then he puts down one chisel and picks up another tool, and he continues his work. We are like those tools. There are times when he'll pick us up and use us. There may be other times when he sets us down, picks up something else, and he doesn't really need us at that moment to be active. But we're still there. We're still with the master to be employed for him or even laid aside for him, whatever he wants to do. In the scripture, the image is that we're members of his body. And while I'm talking, often my hands are moving, my mouth is moving, of course, my mind is working, but my kneecap is not really very active right now. <laughs> But there are other times when my kneecap really needs to be active. So we shouldn't complain if God sets us aside for a second and uses someone else. We need to be ready. We need to abide in him, stay connected with him, be prepared and able, but not judge our own lives. Let him decide. He's the head. We're not. I keep saying it because it's so true. Let him decide those things. And that's why this prayer is so helpful to me. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing, just to let go of everything. Let go of all expectations and really trust my heavenly Father. There's a lot of teaching in the Western church that we're to do great things, that everybody in the church is supposed to be a leader. And there's this idea, it's almost... um, almost this assumption that if you're not really actively doing amazing things in the kingdom, then something's amiss. But there are times when we're just at rest. Maybe we get tired and God says, you know, you need some hospital time. Let God decide those things. He knows when we're getting burned out. As a matter of fact, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we need to let go of all expectations, everything. And the last part of this prayer, I freely and I heartily yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal. We surrender not only the unpleasant things, but also the pleasant things. I think you can find copies of this on the internet. I'll include in the notes for today's talk just the short part of the prayer, not the entire service. And I think I'll close for now after that sort of introduction and in one prayer. Next time, I'm going to talk about what I call the healthy and mature prayer. (laughs) That's a prayer that God taught me a few years ago, and it has really, really been helpful. I'll talk again about Jeremiah 6.16 in the context of prayer. If you're interested in hearing some of those thoughts about that, you can listen to the very first talk in this series. Then I'll talk about answered prayer. Are we looking for replies or for results? And I'll also look at the promises that God gives us in relation to prayer. If you can come away with anything from what I've shared today, it's that God is looking at the heart. Prayer is not a religious observance. It's not like casting spells. It's easy to mouth words and not have them come from the heart. Prayer is a conversation and we are invited by God into this conversation. It's not one way we should listen more than we speak. We should constantly, purposefully come into his presence and communicate with him. We shouldn't be hypocrites like actors who put masks on and pretend. God is looking at the heart. So until next time, I pray that the Lord will continue to reveal to you his word and his ways, because his paths are really good, and they always lead to peace for your soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, You will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.